ultimately what value is, it's probably three possibilities. One is to save someone's time. For me, my example, I do a lot of the, the heavy lifting in terms of research. I do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of understanding ingredients. And it's not that these people can't do it. They can do it. It's they're very smart people. It's just that it does, it's not worth their time. So what you are in, in that position is someone that's saving someone's time. And if you can be that person and save them time at a value that, um, you know, the cost isn't going to exceed their budget, that's that's kind of the mindset you kind of have to be at um, for, for that to work out. The other piece is how can you provide something that increases the, the value or output of that company? And, and then the third way is saving money. If I can figure out processes or, you know, reduce ingredients, or find a way to reduce costs in some fashion that you know indirectly allows a company to make more money, right? So those are the kind of three things that they're looking for. Welcome to this week's episode of Papa PhD. This week, I have the great pleasure of having with me Brian Lay, PhD. Brian is a food scientist, food industry consultant, and author of 150 Food Science Questions Answered. He earned his PhD in food science from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he studied the chemistry of savory flavors from plant-based sources. He is currently a research scholar through the Ronin Institute for Independent Scholarship, an industry expert for Carbon13, a venture builder based in the UK, and an independent consultant for Mycelium Gastronomy, an industry network of food experts. Welcome to Papa PhD, Brian. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, and I, I'm looking forward to sharing more about my story. Yeah, sharing your story is is kind of the concept of Papa PhD. We were talking before recording how I think stories are naturally and organically the medium that gets people uh, engaged with the narrative and and to keep um, like lessons learned or or take home messages. And that's why I'm super happy to have people like you come here uh, week after week and share their stories of how, you know, how their PhD went, what happened just after the PhD, and then how they built a career after. So based on what I said, which was very quick and, and, and summarized, can you tell us a little bit more, one or two things about who is uh, Brian Lay? Yeah, um, for me, I think a lot of it has been, you know, I have this really great love for food um and especially when i after i met my wife um or my who ended up becoming my wife uh we we have this sort of passion for for everything food and i i think that has driven me as very far i i'm really glad that i was able to make this transition in my life uh because i get to deal with so many different things because i i started off um studying chemistry and i made a transition uh, somewhere, you know, in my twenties where I was slated to go and do a PhD in chemistry, um, you know, mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals and, you know, organic, metallics and that sort of thing, very specific organic mm -hmm. chemistry work. And then I said, you know, I really, I really do think food is really important for the future. And that transition point kind of took me all the way here. And I'm so grateful that I made that decision way back when. True, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, my, my partner, uh, she she uh, is very uh, keen and aware about all, all things to do with climate change. And I, I, through her, I learned how a lot of what can be done uh, in in you know in every home that can impact that is has to do with food. <laughs> and uh, and it's interesting that 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 you say that because I think probably there's some impact of what you do that that can eventually lead to um to lowering the impact of, of of the food industry but that's not why we're here i just found it interesting that that you mentioned you know we think of food as something we eat to maybe you know taste it and and feel happy but also uh, you know help us grow when we're when we're young or just maintain ourselves but there's more there's much more to food than that it's culture uh it's an industry too and um, mm -hmm. it's it's uh, for sure the link uh, from chemistry to food is is a logical one to me, 
and it's it's an interesting domain, much more than we could think uh, if we're just thinking of what's on our plate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you just mentioned this this um, this transition, which I think again is is a logical one, from uh, studying chemistry to getting implicated in the domain of of food. Um, but one of the things that I that I always keep in mind when I'm having these conversations is the the people listening and and the people who are let's say still in grad school or at the end or just after grad school. And uh, the first thing I'd like to start with is how did that go with you? Those last few months of the of the PhD, and then first few months after the PhD, the reflections, the questioning, maybe the conversations you had uh, with with uh, your supervisor, et cetera, et cetera. How did that go? <laughs> so it's very fascinating. Um, basically, I think it was a lot. Of, uh, it was a bit of a perfect storm for many different uh, situations because. <laughs> I, I ended up graduating in the middle of the pandemic. So I did my okay. dissertation defense over Zoom. That was, uh, and my, oh. my advisor, uh, he, he, was, he was actually about to retire. So um, he wasn't exactly 100% present. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it, made, it created some challenges uh, for that transition point. So um, I think at some point in the end of the the last year, I, I it became clear that I wasn't moving down an academic path, um, and I wasn't going to move forward in that direction. So, you know, I I basically was trying to figure out a way to make it work um, in those last few months. My wife and I we ended up moving back into our parents' house, which was really weird, um, being you know yeah. in your late twenties, early thirties, and living at home. Um, I was not expecting that. And I think because of the challenges of the pandemic, I didn't have anything lined up as far as job opportunities. But what what I did have was um, about two or three years of experience during graduate school where I was doing some short-term consulting as well as volunteering. And I, I'm okay. so glad I did that. At the time, I only did it because I I was getting a little bogged down, you know, in the middle of your PhD, you kind of get this slump. Um, so I wanted to find other ways to sort of build up my interest in, um, you know, non-academic uh, projects, and including I did a lot of writing uh, for nonprofits. Um, I also was doing writing for investment, um, uh, investment newsletters um, in biotechnology. And those, those experiences gave me a little bit of an insight of, Oh, you know, there's there's life outside of the PhD domain. But going back mm-hmm. to the last few months, so you know, I we gra- I graduated. It was unceremonious because <laughs> of you know mm, the of situation. Course, yeah. time. And um, we moved we moved from Wisconsin back to California. And you know, at some point, my wife kind of nudged me and was like hey what are you going to be doing i mean what's 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 the situation and i you know at the time i i had a few projects going but i was i was a little concerned because i wasn't sure if i could make a full time career out of consulting mm-hmm. um and, and writing but i just i just published my book um so i graduated august 2020 and my book was published july 21st so there was this okay. window of opportunity where i was able to leverage my book and I sent it to a number of different um, different companies and uh, I, I introduced myself largely through my book as someone that could write about the topic of food science and that you know I did a lot of cold emailing um, especially to startup companies uh, in the food industry space and eventually I got very lucky um, I landed one client that became a long-term client. Uh, it's a, it's, wow. the name is Turtle Tree. They make, um, they make breast milk or actually no, they, they changed that. Uh, they make, they make milk components for nutrition, but they use okay. cellular agriculture to produce them and precision fermentation to produce their, their products. So uh, I was able to do hmm. some technical writing for them and especially for their blog. And, I'm so grateful to 
be able to do that because they, they gave me sort of a recurring income over that year. And that gave me a starting point to search out for other projects. Uh, and so that, that really started my whole journey uh, as far as consulting. Mm-hmm. That's super, super, super interesting. And now it kind of makes me want to go back a little bit more because one of the issues that um, that I see people having and that I had myself <clears throat> during that those that last year of graduate school or the or, you know those final years is time, and uh, I, I'm wondering how you you know how strategic how, you know what what strategic way you found to include having these activities of doing some writing, doing some uh, volunteering, which I think is is a really really cool uh, thing to do uh, if you have if you find a way to do it while you're in graduate school and, and if you have a scholarship uh, but um, I'd love to to hear you about time management uh, and and strategically adding something more to your day-to-day as a graduate student that then pays dividends years later yeah I mean I wish I could say in hindsight there was strategy involved <laughs> as far as my you know hey if you look at it on paper, it looks really great, but you know at the time mm-hmm. it was it was very very much on a whim i think uh mm-hmm. i've tried you know it was year two or three and i i was i wasn't making a whole lot of progress in my research my research day to day um and I was getting mm-hmm. concerned about the fact that you know, potentially what would happen if I, you know, if I had this degree, but I didn't have any marketable skills. And I think that that came out of my previous experiences before my PhD, where I dabbled a little bit in entrepreneurship. I, I learned a little bit about marketing. Okay. I, I had all these sort of um, side hobbies that I, that I sort of leveraged in my, in my plan, so to speak. But essentially, mm-hmm. I, at the time, I was thinking, well, what can I do that would boost my boost my resume in a marketable fashion, but doing something that I could do at my desk, right? Like I was already thinking in terms of what could I do remotely? Um, and this opportunity to write for um, Science Meets Food, which is the blog uh, through the Institute of Food Technologists Student Association uh, came up because I, I was reading a lot about it and... I was very interested because there's graduate students um, coming together and writing blog posts about it, mm-hmm. uh, the science of food, right? So I thought that was super interesting. And I, I realized that because it was asynchronous, I didn't, I could write it on my own time. Um, and it was at the time, <laughs> you know, I, I would either be, I'd be doing an experiment and, you know, there's downtime. I, you know, I would do a little bit here and there as, as far as writing and then, um, if, you know, if I was at home, sometimes I'd read things to sort of get my mind, um, you know, interested in a lot of different things. Um, and I, I really found my, my voice in that. I found my, my niche, so to speak. And I learned that I, I really enjoyed writing, which was surprising to me because I'm not, a, I, you know, growing in high school, I was a terrible writer. I think English was one of my worst, um, one of my worst uh, classes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anyone ever told me I was a writer, right? So it was, it was very <laughs> fantastic to get that experience because you never know, right? Like those are the th- those things when yeah. you're older. Um, and I got, after about a year or two, I got the opportunity to actually lead that, uh, that volunteer group, that program. And that gave me wow. access into a lot of the, the metrics, which, you know, for me was okay. really critical. Because that allowed me to actually optimize not only my colleagues' articles, but also my own. And I learned a lot mm-hmm. about what people like to read. Um, and that mm-hmm. sort of became my little bit of an obsession of mine uh, during that, <laughs> you know, the year before I graduated. And it was great because it, it allowed me to have a little bit of downtime. It, I think it's funny because... Yeah, as PhDs, you're kind of expected to always be working in some way. Um, exactly. And that's just the nature of it. And I think for me, I always lead by what I enjoy, which doesn't always work out. Um, I, I think I was starting to get, you know, some issues with my, my PhD research because I was devoting my time to all these other things. But I knew 
you know, I had this intuition that it, I needed to have these things under my belt. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, th- you know, publishing three papers wasn't going to get me a job. I mean, I, I just knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to have these marketable skills. So, you know, I leveraged all these articles and I, I created this like consistent schedule and I was very, I was very hardlined with um, leading this group and <laughs> it actually paid off because, you know, through sheer serendipity, um, some publisher, book publisher reached out to me and because my name was on that oh. blog, because I was the, the, the guy that was on top, um, they wanted me to write a book on food science. Um, it read my articles. That is and- so cool. <laughs> It was so cool. I and it that was the December of 2019. So right before you know everything went down, got locked down, mm-hmm. and I I sat with my wife and I said, "Hey, I have this opportunity. Like, what are we going to do?" And I'm really grateful that she was so on board with it because she's very she's a very practical person. She she thinks mm-hmm. she thought that my PhD was like completely insane um, because she mm-hmm. she, really, she was seeing how much I was working and it didn't make any sense as far as a uh, you know investment in time and energy, um, but she was very supportive and she said Brian, when are you going to ever get another opportunity to write a book? And yep, I said you know if for some reason I do this and. You know, it takes me off track of the PhD. At least I, at least I, I gave it a shot. So I wrote my yeah. book while I was writing my dissertation, <laughs> and I can't tell wow. you how much I, I don't know how I did it. Honestly, like I, I really <laughs> wish I could say I had, I was very strict and disciplined. I was not. I think I, I even took my holiday uh, week and I just wrote every single day, and I spent two months mm-hmm. writing the book, and. It was it was really crazy. I I'm glad I did it though because that was like of I course. said that was the, the 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 foundation for my my next stage in in my my life after the PhD. Yeah, I can see how having that side project while you were writing your dissertation might have even given you uh, fuel uh, or or you know given especially that you you mentioned that you weren't so satisfied at how it was going. Gave you some respite and gave you kind of a bubble of this is something I'm passionate about. And even though it's work, it might have even energized you to then do the writing of your thesis, which you had to do to finish uh, anyway. I can I can totally see that. But it's a great story. It's it's really really cool. And uh, of course, there's serendipity in there, like you said. Uh, but if you hadn't started two years before this little thing of starting to write for a blog this wouldn't have happened. So there's also work there. There's also two years of, of building yourself up, of discovering yes. you liked writing about that subject, which is a, a great uh, a, a great thing when you start a project and you start liking it, you discover things about yourself. And uh, and that one is a big one. I can write and 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 people and, and now I I can uh, learn how to write better and now I can see how people are reacting to what I write. It's it's really, really great. And it's, uh, it's an incremental thing. And I'm saying this because I I don't think people should think, okay, now I'm, I I should write a book to, <laughs> to prepare for my career after the PhD. But starting something small, I think, is is the, the key. And trying one, maybe if, if it doesn't work, if you don't like it, try another one. And eventually, there's some small thing that you can insert into your daily routine and that and that you can feel good about yes i'm doing my phd but i'm 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 you know i'm watering this little seed here day by day and and just do that like a like a, a gardener and 2 years later something grew out of that and and then well in your case it was it's quite a <laughs> quite a, a turning point but uh, i really really like the 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 story and i really really like the how organic it seems that it all happened the other thing i like is that I find that often PhDs can be uh, isolating, and by doing this, by taking part in in this other thing, that there's a group of people, that there's other graduate students probably around the world or around the country, you all you also had a community, a different community than your day to day lab uh, one that you were involved with. Do you agree? Is it something that you experienced? Absolutely. I mean, I I have to tell you, I I was the only graduate student in my lab. Um, 
at literally maybe only two or three years of that, I had one postdoc in the lab. Mm -hmm. So I was was literally by myself. Um, And you're absolutely right. I I was able to connect with a larger group, a larger community um, of people who are in my field who are, you know, are seeking professional opportunities. And that, that gave me a lot of cross fertilization for ideas. And, you know, I got to see what people were doing after their PhD. I got to see what people were up to in terms of, you know, how they leveraged that. And it, it gave me a lot of examples as far as what I could potentially do with, with, with the degree. And I would say that that helped so much because otherwise I would have sat there thinking like, why, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, which you, you kind of get kind of bogged down into, especially if you don't have a clear career path, um, which for me was, mm-hmm. was, the, was the case, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, uh, in, in another, in our conversations before, uh, before today, because I'm thinking of the, of what came next, right? So you have, you have this book, this book kind of opens the door to this first, client and, and and which became a long-term client which is always when you launch as a as a solopreneur you you want to have these these like solid relationships but one thing that uh that um that often i think uh stops people from allowing themselves to imagine themselves pivoting to something else is what people say around them uh and I remember you mentioning uh, something to that to that respect in our conversations before. Do you remember um, looking back, people having conversations, kind of saying, "This is uh, it's so hard to to get into this domain," or "What are you doing? You know, you you've invested all this time, and now you're not even sure." Uh, what you can do in this domain or if you can even pierce and, and have a presence and, and, and have a career in this domain of, of consulting. I'd love to have your kind of your, your look back at those conversations and then, you know, your, your kind of uh, analysis of how they might've been wrong or skewed based on who was giving you that feedback. Yeah, it's really fascinating because so I have on one end, so my my mom is a bit of an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She started a number of different uh, businesses in her life, very different industries, medical, clothing, retail, very successful. Um, and, you know, I, I look up to her as someone that provides business advice. And unfortunately, what she gave me as far as insight, the you know, it, it kind of, she said something along the lines is like, it doesn't make any sense what you're trying to do, right? Like it, you know, <laughs> you won't be able to do it because you don't have any, you don't have any like way of interacting with people. Um, and I think she was coming from a place of, you know, a, a brick and mortar business, right? She doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't think she understood how the internet worked. And for me, because I had this experience uh, with this volunteer group where I was doing their social media, I was doing their online blogging and so on and so forth, I started to get more insight into how I could potentially reach out to clients. And, you know, that that became a sticking point because I talked to my sister, um, who's now consulting in sort of the urban planning space. I talked to an old colleague of mine who is a professor and also um, consulted on the side. Um, and, and then I talked to my uh, parents-in-law who, you know, were very down-to-earth practical people. And I think a lot of people were saying, and, you know, I, I, we don't think it's going to work necessarily. Or you, you, you may have to leverage um, to a full-time position. And, I, and, and that was true of my wife as well. And I think for her, it made sense. She had uh, a lot of skin in the game, so to speak. But of course. <laughs> um, uh, bless her because she definitely also said, you know, I'll give you a year. I'll give you a year. And I, I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for she did because I don't think, I don't, mm-hmm. without her support, I think I, I would have definitely um, faltered a little bit. But for as far as the misconceptions, I think a lot of it was like, how, how are you even going to do this? Like, most businesses fail. Um, you know, how, how, what are you even going to consult about? Like, there was a lot of these question marks. 
um, that I couldn't even answer. I think that's that was what made it really challenging is I, I didn't have answers for these because I didn't I didn't have any experience doing any. And that's one of those challenges I think that a lot of people face is if you're around people who don't have these experiences, their viewpoint is biased. Their 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 worldview mm-hmm. is skewed. Um, so they're not necessarily going to provide you the best um, ideas. Um, you know, not to say I I completely disregarded what they said. Uh, I knew that there was a risk, but mm-hmm. I was I was looking for ways to reduce that risk. And I again, I had these experiences in my past um, early twenties um, where I was trying to figure out different ways to market, um, different ways to you know, reach out to people. And I, I'm really glad I had those experiences when I was younger because mm-hmm. I yeah. used those to kind of give me, give myself a foundation of, yeah, there are ways to reach out to people online. Like the, the internet has changed the game as far as, you know, what you can do. I think that was, mm-hmm. that was something that I, a lot of people didn't necessarily understand um, that were around me. Yeah. I think that was the one thing that, gave me a bit of an advantage because I grew up with the internet. Um, I used to do a lot of online gaming. I did a lot of like community work online. Um, I'm very much okay. involved in the virtual space. And I think because of the pandemic, everything switching to remote became like, it became an yeah, open field. That's true. Because I was like, <laughs> I know what is. I know, I know what that is. It's a chat room. I know, you know, how, you know, these, these processes work where you can get, you know, uh, a landing page. Like I had all these things in my head and it was perfect because I at least mm-hmm. had that expertise mm-hmm. that I knew that it was possible because I had examples of people who had done it in other fields, not, not in, in necessarily in a scientific field. That was a little bit of the, uh, a big question mark. Was <laughs> how was I going to yeah. connect with people? <laughs> food industry and for most people in my in my industry they all work in person and i i met so many Mm -hmm. people even online who were saying telling me like oh you get consulting involves being in person but again yeah pandemic changed the game on that and i i became one guy who could do that Papa PhD is supported by Noted Source, the platform connecting academic researchers to companies for project-based opportunities across disciplines, from sciences to arts and humanities. Top corporate innovation teams work with academia, but the smartest ones use Noted Source to discover and collaborate with experts like you. Easily sign up today at papaphd.com forward slash Noted Source. Using Google Scholar and Orchid Imports, it only takes a few minutes to create a professional profile that lets clients know you're open to collaboration. Noted Source handles the bureaucracy so you can focus on what you know best. That's papaphd.com forward slash Noted Source. Before resuming my conversation with Brian Lee, I just want to ask you that if you haven't done so yet, please go to papaphd.com forward slash audience and fill in the survey that is there for you. It'll help me get to know you better and make Papa PhD more and more suited to your needs and to your tastes. If you have a couple of minutes, it'll be really appreciated. I do think that, yeah, the the, the pandemic and, and those two years changed the game for a lot of people for a lot of organizations um and i think some of those things will stick uh some of that opening to uh to being reached out to on let's say linkedin or or just virtually versus some more traditional uh, ways of doing it in the past i think that'll stick for the time coming but now thinking so so you had all these people kind of telling you "Mm, not sure uh you your your partner and i can understand how you you're grateful to her said okay i'll give you a year and and that's very very generous that that has been very generous of her but so for someone imagine that's in your situation might or be or not in a couple but that has this six months a year to uh to try to establish this network because you need that's what you need right to establish your presence but then get in touch with key people uh, in in different 
or entities or organizations that are important to you. What was, let's say, um, what's kind, what's a good game plan? What's a good blueprint to follow? If you like, you just graduated, you're trying to scramble and, and, and you have this idea, you have this project, you may even have some like market study about it, but you need to be able to have, start having these conversations and start being part of the, of the conversation. How did you go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. Um, my, I, I started to understand that there's a lot of different processes and they take a lot of time. But the one thing I knew that would absolutely would be the difference between zero and one, that sort of like transition point, <laughs> was reaching out and emailing people directly. Um, and it was, it was a risk. Um, and I, I knew that. And for me, it was <laughs> part of it was kind of being pushed against a wall in a sense. And I said, you know, if people, if, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fail, I may, I might as well fail big and I might as well go and, and reach out to people directly. So, you know, I made this massive list of CEOs, investors, uh, founders, and I just, I just emailed them direct and i knew so many people who said like it's not gonna work like i don't know why you think that they're gonna spend any time talking to you um which i thought was really funny because it's not like i necessarily knew um that would be the mm -hmm. case but um i think i read somewhere i think i think steve jobs had this quote but i'm sure a lot of other people have something similar which is that you might as well reach out to people for help or you might as well reach out to people for, you know, to have discussions because what's the worst that can happen. Right. And I learned to, I think the, the biggest thing I learned from that was one, um, I learned to be rejected a lot. Right. And, and it, it, yes. you know, there's, there's 90% 90 of the time people aren't going to respond. 5% of the time people are going to respond and say like, they're, they just don't, there's nothing for me. Uh, and yeah. then you get maybe three or four percent that's like tentative. But if you get that one, that one out of a hundred, that's like, I have a deal for you. I have, I have a way <laughs> that you could add value. And really it's, a, it's on you to, to discuss, the, to, to find that in yourself. It's like, how can I add value to this person's company? Um, that's all you mm -hmm. need. Um, and I think that that became really important for, for my learning lesson as far as that beginning point, which was you, you don't have a whole lot to lose. Um, I think that had, no, I gave myself a lot of these excuses to not do it. Right. I was like, Oh, like people are going to think I'm weird. Um, I'm, I'm going to be blacklisted. Like, <laughs> like it's going to look like spam. Um, but I, I, I really worked hard on it because I optimized everything. I learned how to optimize my email. I, I learned how to optimize my, My conversations, I, I, I optimize like the meet the discussion part, and it's crazy because every time you make some kind of mistake, I think that's that's a huge learning opportunity, and I think that yeah. that's me was uh, you're you're kind of walking in blind in a sense. You're in a room, <laughs> it's dark, and you're trying to feel everything, and I think. <laughs> every time you don't feel something that also means you're getting closer you're going to feel something right so that that to me became my my benchmark of experience because no one else was ever going to teach me that no one else was going to tell me that mm -hmm. because they didn't have that experience they didn't know um mm -hmm. that's yeah. something that you can do and i think that's yeah i i would say you're going to try a lot of different things um but honestly you have to go for efficiency <laughs> and you have to be very like yeah. diligent And I think, and you have to be willing to fail and fail very large, very big. Um, otherwise, I think mm -hmm. you're not going to make very much progress in that first year. Um, that was my mm -hmm. that was my learning lesson. I love your image of uh, being in a dark room and trying to feel your way. It's it's really it's really telling, and it's, it's uh, really like a, like how how it works with with what the example you're giving. And uh, I really love also this idea of uh, failing is learning. So. You know, uh, you, you you built this list, like you said, like three percent. You know, say five percent, say maybe three percent, say let's talk, and then eventually one percent. But with this, those no, those ninety eight percent or ninety nine percent, they taught each conversation taught you something that you could bring to the next one. And I do think that 
uh, if you um, have this uh, ease, let's say, to 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 um, engage in these conversations with people you don't know, people that might uh, be daunting to you to talk because they're like CEO of of something. Because some people might have an issue or like difficulty or an introversion, but if you're able to go past that, you will learn a lot. And I imagine also a lot about you because uh, these these conversations you can get very vulnerable by by putting yourself out there with someone who's built a business and and uh, maybe gives you five minutes of their time to see if you know if what you have to say is uh, is interesting or not and this this vulnerability and this um, it's kind of a leap uh, a leap of faith right of you know I believe in this project let's talk to another person. It didn't work. What didn't work? Okay, let's see if I can fix this next time. Let's talk to another person. And and anyway, I, I really really like that you mentioned that because um, it could it could by looking at what you do today and and where you are, it might be easy to to uh, imagine. Oh, it you know he talked to someone and then it worked. And but no, you talked to a lot of people. A lot of them said no. A lot of them said sorry, not not now, not today. But some of them eventually it clicked, and it and and that of course then you, you learn you learn even more with those with those smaller first connections that you can yes. that you can always ring uh, later on. So how long did it take? Let's say to to you did, did that year was that year <laughs> that that you were given enough to to get into kind of a you know cruise control of of starting or uh, offering your services? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that year was. Uh it really opened my eyes as far as what was possible because, you know, I, I was very, very open to, to anything really. And I think somehow there's a mindset change that, that came during Mm -hmm. it, which was initially you feel like you're trying to get something from someone, right. That you're trying to get work from someone. And then, you you almost have to assume this role, um, and it, it 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 starts with sort of engaging with yourself and and being very yeah. honest with with who you are and and what your skills are and what you can offer um, to the table. And I I really dug deep and I said like, what is it that's unique about me? What and and I like what you said about being vulnerable. It was it was really a question of like, how can I be authentic and vulnerable in this space? It's funny to say that, and, and sort of, well, we, we think of business as being very stuffy, but I think for me, it was as I, I shed a lot of my misconceptions, I was also gaining this ability to connect very, very deeply with people. And mm-hmm. um, as I did that, that year became like I, I felt this sort of increase in abundance, right? It was this feeling of mm-hmm. I, I, there's an abundance here of, of, not just opportunity, but also of social capital, of um, possibility. I think there was a lot of hope, um, and and that's not to say that there weren't you know plenty of downs and question marks. And but I I think I, those were kind of surface level. The doubts became surface mm-hmm. level, and there was more. There's there's some part where I could rest, which was really exciting. Yeah. I think that's the that's that clicking point where I was like. Oh my gosh, like, and and it became this moment of finally, I could say like, I'm not necessarily going to listen to what other people say. That isn't to say I'm not going to take advice and consider it, but there was this moment of everything. I'm the person in the driver's seat, right? I'm the one who has to learn how to drive this car, this vehicle. And no one else. This inner compass that is now guiding you. Exactly. Exactly. And I I would say that. Yeah, it was amazing. I to have that. I think that's the that's the game changer because, um, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that having a full time position or career is is different, but um, I don't personally think I would have learned that that sort of self sufficiency if I had gone down mm-hmm. a more conventional or traditional path. Um, and I'm so grateful for it because now, you know, now I'm in year three of my consulting and. I, I'm just sitting here and people come to me and I, I didn't know that was even possible. Right. I built, <laughs> I started building all these systems, 
right, in, in the first year. And I didn't know if they were going to work. I had no idea, right? Like, that's one of those, that's one of those things. So you, you put in a seed and you don't know what kind of plant is going to come out, whether it's going to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> a, a state flower or, a, you know, a beautiful peach tree. Um, and, you know, certainly many things died along the way, but things that survived, and luckily they did survive, um, became sort of the pipeline for a lot of um, opportunity, which, you know, to me, I've been able to work with people. Um, I've been working with companies that I never even thought I could have access to. Never. I thought I need like five, 10 years in corporate career. I need to make a name myself. And a lot of people were saying things along those lines. I think that was the other piece was I had these messages from society about what could and could not be possible. Um, and I, I really had to shed that. And it was, it was, it's fantastic. Um, it's really scary because, you know, it's on me to, to do everything. But at the same time, if I have to start over, I know how to do it. And it's, it's kind of like that same process, uh, the analogy of being in the dark. Someone can mm -hmm. hold your hand and guide you, but that doesn't give you the skills to guide yourself. I think that's the <laughs> one of those is I, I can, I can, you know, I can ski uh, down the slope, so to speak, because I, I know how to stand yeah. on my own feet. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, it, it kind of also aligns with that, that thing that I was saying at the beginning of when you started that writing a little bit on the side during your PhD, and it grew to some something else. Once you have a project, let's say a, a business project, it's also it's also something that grows like you said there's there's some pruning that happens some parts of the plant rot and fall, fall off but eventually you learn and, and you especially when you're a solopreneur you grow with it but now mm -hmm. uh, because we because we did mention consulting and some some people listening might want info about that so you had all these conversations uh, some of them were just you sending an email and and receiving a no or no answer Some of them were actually exchanges, and you, you said you have, you know, you have some kind of lessons learned uh, of, of all of that, that that allowed you to then get you where, where you are today. You did your research in the domain. You feel you have this um, capacity to help organizations with what you learned. Turning the, the the question not on you as a potential consultant, but on people you've worked with, organizations you've worked worked with. What would you say are things uh, organizations are looking for in someone presenting themselves as, hey, I think I can help you with this type of project. Uh, can you please give me some of your time to explain me to explain how? What are they looking for? Yeah, I think ultimately what value is, is saving someone. It, it's, it's probably three possibilities. One is to save someone's time, right? So you, you do work that... You know, for, for me, my example, I do a lot of the, the heavy lifting in terms of research. I do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of, um, you know, understanding ingredients. And it's not that these people can't do it. They can do it. It's they're very smart people. It's just that it does, it's not worth their time. So what you are in, in that position is someone that's saving someone time. And if you can be that person and save them time at a value that, um, you know, the cost isn't going to exceed their budget. That's, that's kind of the mindset you kind of have to be at um, for, for that to work out. The other piece is, can, can you be a person that makes this company more money, right? That's, that's the other thing. You know, how can you provide something that increases the, the value or output of that company? And again, in my example, like I could be designing a formulation of a product that, you know, takes that business or company into a, a new direction and, 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 you know, is, mm -hmm. is something that they can sell on the market, or maybe they found a way to, you know, produce a, a new technology and, you know, they want me to develop some part of it. And that's again, a new market opportunity. And then the third way is saving mm -hmm. money. If I can figure out processes or, you know, reduce ingredients, or find a way to reduce costs in some fashion that, you know, indirectly 
allows a company to make more money, right? So those are the kind of three mm-hmm. things that they're looking for in terms of, and you make and you make all your processes streamlined for that, right? So making sure that they don't feel in, at any point in the conversation like they're going to lose money, lose time, you know, so on and so forth. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the piece of of how I personally engage in my mindset. I mean, I'm trying to be in the shoes of that person that's providing me money because ultimately what they're what they're trying to do is they're getting their investment back. I'm an investment, right? They're okay. investing, you know, some amount of money and they're hoping to get a return of something that will in in the downstream will provide them additional funds. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's very interesting when I work with startups in that capacity because um, it's my impact is much um, more relevant and, and very direct. So I can actually see, for example, if I help a, a company design a formulation or, you know, create a white paper content, that material is going to go directly to an investor who then mm-hmm. is able to write a check for, you know, some amount of money. And to me, it's like, wow, I, mm-hmm. I, I became involved in that. And to me, that's actually really a valuable experience because then I can see, you know, okay, so I'm worth this much in a sense. Like I can, I can tell mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. you know, I'm part of this machine that, you know, was worth X amount. And that, that gives me so yeah. much more confidence than saying like, okay, I worked for this bad company and, you know, my impact was minimal, right? Like I got paid, <laughs> but I'm not, I have no idea what I did <laughs> in the mm-hmm. lot, in the grand scheme of things. So. All right. So be very, be very conscious and intentional about communicating what value added you are going to bring. And like you said, time, innovation, and money, that's, that's the three axes that, that, uh, that I found and, uh, coming from academia and from research, they they totally make sense. The 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 three of them, super super interesting. Now thinking of the same person who is you know has this idea, this project, and who's maybe fearful of doing you know a faux pas of some kind. Can you do you have like kind of a not a CV of failures because it's it, it might be too long, but can you have like one or two stories of things you did in the beginning and that you really learned quite fast? Okay, this is a no no. I should you know. This is uh, in this industry or with these type of clients, this is something I can never do again. Yeah. Wow. Um, definitely don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket because people, okay. you know, people change their minds. People have different interests. Um, oh my gosh. Um, if you're working with a large group where there's a lot of people involved, that gets really complicated. It's like a giant hive mind. Like you have no idea where that's mm-hmm. going to go. So don't, don't even for one second think that anything is a guarantee, right? I, what I like to do now, and I, I realized this um, a little bit, a little bit late, there are some mistakes here, but definitely get paid first, <laughs> like before you do anything, mm-hmm. like, because you have no idea what a person is thinking, what their needs are. Um, and some people just forget, right? Like that's, that's almost, that's actually more, it's not malicious. It's not like people are trying to get work out of you. There are people who are trying to get work out of you for free mm-hmm. and you have to watch out for those people. There's no, I, I think I did one trial project and it was horrible because I never got paid for it and there was no recourse. And there's nothing I could add to my, Mm. you know, project of, of, of things I did. So I was like, wow, why did I do this? Oh but so you don't want to do that, but to get paid first, people, people change their minds. Um, and then, gosh, I think there was definitely moments where I, I think I tried to deliver more than I could for myself. And I burned myself out mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I think there is something to be said about valuing your own time and being okay yeah. with the fact that as human beings, we're not on all the time and you need rest. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really grateful again. You know, my wife, I keep bringing her up. She seems to, you know, come into the conversation all the time because she is very important <laughs> to me. Um, but she is always emphasizing the need to rest, I think. And, you know, there are definitely times when I said, no, I, I need to get this project done. It was never worth it. That, that to me is, is really important lesson because um, I'd come out of it just, you know, I might have completed it. I might have done it, but 
just not feeling my full 100%. And I, if I can't be 100% for this kind of work, I feel like it's not worth it because I can go to a company. I can go and um, get a full-time position. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that money is not really the object here. A lot of it is, am I creating a lifestyle that's important for me? Am I creating mm-hmm. a, a way of life that allows me to do the things that I love uh, with the people that I love? Um, which isn't to say that I don't love the work that I do. I, I absolutely love it. But I think the day that I say this is more, this is more of a drag than it is a passion. Um, I think mm-hmm. I need to stop because <laughs> I, it's not to the, the administration, the like logistics, like the fact that I have to do my own finances um, and my own taxes, like all these, all yeah. these overhead. Like, that's the other thing is that um, I would say half my time is all the administration and half of it is actual of work course. where I'm sitting down and producing stuff. <laughs> um, I, I'm so surprised by the amount of time that I spend marketing. I spend, you know, looking through my financial statements, um, which luckily I, I actually really enjoy. Um, I love looking at the mm-hmm. numbers and, and those are really great metrics. Um, but it does, it does take it out of you if that's, that's really all you're doing. So I think you yeah. do have to find and a like in grad of, school. Yeah. <laughs> like, in grad school. <laughs> like in grad school, like in grad school and it's funny. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, we're getting really to the end of the interview, but I, I want to, you know, I want to come kind of pick up something you said, which is, um, and which I think is really crucial for people in grad school and, and just after graduating, which is the, the being able to allow yourself to value your time. And I, I think, and uh, in my experience, the culture of graduate school, of being a graduate researcher, a graduate student, does not naturally lead you to value your time a lot. Yes, I think it's the yes. it's the opposite. Yes, you give you know you give all of your time if possible, and and for the cause. Yeah, and you know I I, I do I can see how uh, there's some something rings true in that in a certain aspect because we're we're not in a commercial endeavor when we're in in academia and in graduate school but everyone needs to live everyone needs to pay bills Every, everyone has you know overhead <laughs> expenses like you said yeah. and uh, that that is another thing that can be challenging for people coming out of academia and graduate school allowing yourself to say my time and is is worth this much and my time is my heartbeats is my my breath is my living is is you know it's my family and and uh, i do feel talking with people that it's a challenge especially when you come out young out of graduate school and it, it does um have the danger of hindering people let's say for people who are going for an employee career in not negotiating their salary well enough at the beginning and then not having the compound effects uh, effects of of having a good salary negotiation at the beginning. So I just wanted to make this point: how important what you said is, in particular for people coming out of graduate school. I don't know if you agree. This is a it's just a feeling that I got based on what you said. I mean, a hundred percent. At the end of the day, no one is looking out for you except yourself. Um, and I I don't I you know it, it, it sounds very you know free market. Um, but I think when it comes to money, um, maybe not in other endeavors or spaces, but money is one of those places where you have to speak up for yourself. There's no other choice. No mm-hmm. one's going to do it. No one hands over money to you willingly without money <laughs> in return. Right? <laughs> that, is, that is totally, totally true. Brian, uh, sadly, we're at the end of, of our conversation. Um, Please, uh, I'd love to. First, I really, really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, I, I, I really think uh, uh, that your story is full of great examples of what to do, what not to do, but uh, especially, and in particular, of it is possible to pivot and it is possible to go on your own today more than five, ten years ago. Uh, there's different ways to do it. You, you mentioned that you. you went the way of having a list of people that you email directly i think it's a bold and brave one and and i do uh i do think that if if someone 
is inclined and, and easy in approaching uh, people of maybe authority uh, do it because uh, you it's going to be worth it. The experience you're going to learn through the experience, and you'll you have the possibility of having great contacts afterwards. Um, but there's other simpler ways. LinkedIn is the one that that of, of course comes to mind, and anyone who is on LinkedIn is open to being reached out to. And so I I do think this concept of saying okay I'm I'm going to be my own business and I'm going to create the network where this business happens is the the barrier is so much lower today so take advantage of, of those tools and and if you have it in you be you know have a, and if you also have of course the time and the and the the uh, financial ability to take some time to grow this small seed to something bigger today's the day to do it and and 2023 uh you know you shouldn't be afraid of, of reaching out to people directly if you have something that will add value to their organization to their business it's kind of the take-home message for me and and it really really came through with all that you that you shared but i was going to ask uh, brian if people want to find you so for people who are listening to the podcast how can people reach out to you where can people find your content um what's the best way to to learn more about brian lee yeah you know definitely the website right like that i've got everything on there i got my twitter my instagram my my youtube um <laughs> the whole the whole gamut <laughs> so and you know that's where i i put all my projects in my portfolio because you know it, it's it's really amazing what you know, being able to just put your, yourself on a website does, you know, it does change mm -hmm. the game a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you, so I'm going to share that all those links in the show notes of the episode, but can you, uh, can you share them live here, the URL? So people listening yes, can, yes, uh, yes. right after listening to the episode can go and visit your, your website. Yeah. You just go to, uh, briancoclay.com. So that's spelled B-R-Y-A-N-Q-U-O-C-L-E.com. Um, if you look up, you know, Brian Coakley, food scientist, I'm, I'm online. You'll see me, um, on Google. So yeah. Marvelous. Awesome. Brian, again, this was a great conversation. Uh, super happy to have had you here on this Papa PhD live. Um, and, uh, it's been, in, it's been inspiring. I've, uh, I've had a lot of fun, like hearing, because uh, you, you're also, you have great energy. Having, you know, hearing your story and hearing how how you look back on on those years, who some some of that time might have been a bit more you know, grueling and not so easy, but you you know you brought it up all of it with with a great energy, and I think it's going to be inspiring for people watching and listening. So thank you for that. Thank you also to everyone uh, listening. If you are on YouTube, please follow the channel. It's easy; you can just subscribe. Uh, there's there's a little bell if you want to be uh, up to date with any new content on the channel. Um, Papa PhD is on all podcasting platforms, so whenever this episode is going to be live uh, uh, as a podcast, you will find it on your favorite podcast app. Um, Papa PhD is a labor of love. It's something that I do. It's a little plant that I'm watering day after day uh, here from my <laughs> from my basement studio. So if you like what you see and what what you hear here on Papa PhD and want to support me, you can go to papaphd.com forward slash support, or you can find Papa PhD on Patreon and become a patron. Uh, any little help will be much appreciated and will help me pay all the the overheads that, that you were mentioning, Brian, like hosting, uh, gear, etc. So uh, if you're inclined to do that, it'll be much, much appreciated. As for Brian, go to briancoakley.com to find all his links. Uh, and I will also, again, share them in the show notes of the episode. Again, Brian, thank you so much. This was a great hour with you, a great hour talking about transitions, uh, talking about what to do, what not to do. And, uh, and kind of sharing this message of if you have a kind of a solo project that you that you really intent on and that you're really passionate about, give yourself the, the benefit of the doubt and try out and try to reach out to people directly. It's possible today. And Brian is a living uh, proof of that. Brian, thank you so much for having me on Papa. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure.